What is up? What is going on, everybody? This week, you're going to find out why for three years I referred to myself as a titan-killing long-term booty call on my Tinder profile. You'll find it out on the other side of the song. Welcome back, everyone, to another new episode of The Threequel. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Mike Duranik. How's it going, man? From way downtown. That's right. No idea yet. Yeah, we'll see if that picked up. (laughs) And Brad Miller. What up? Uh, This week, this month, we are back together in person. We've left the virtual world behind. We're sitting around Mike's table watching some March Madness. Uh, Thank you again for opening your studio basement here. Basement studio? Whatever. Uh, And we are kicking off the month of April with one of the biggest films of all time. Certainly the biggest film to ever be released in April, and that is Avengers Infinity War, just now available to us this year. Uh, It is five years old this month. Uh, Earlier for February, we did Black Panther, and I made a lot of allusions to, of course, we'll end up doing this other Marvel movie, and then realized that this movie came out the last weekend of April, which is crazy because for so long, the summer blockbuster season was May, June, July, and that this the fact that this movie came out in April, I remember that being a big deal. I had forgotten about it, and then when we were looking at movies, I almost missed this for this month. Uh, thankfully, I checked, and it came out, I think it was like April 29th, uh, that they released it. So here we are. This had to be the pick. Uh, this was one of those moments where, sure, it's a group pick, but it was a forced group pick, if we want to call it that. But whatever. It's sure, for sure, the benefit it's a group pick. For the benefit of everyone, I think, uh, that we did this movie. So... Uh, let's get into it, guys. Avengers Infinity War. Uh, if I'm remembering right, this is the fourth Marvel Cinematic Universe movie we've done. I think you wrapped Black Panther, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Winter Soldier. Um, yeah, yes, because Deadpool wouldn't be in. Right, we've done it's Deadpool. separate yes. from. Yes, that's a different... Now he is, though. He will be mm-hmm. uh, in a couple years, uh, but Marvel Cinematic Universe proper. Uh, we did uh, Captain America, too. Did yeah, Winter Soldier. Oh, okay. Yep. Missed that when you said it. Um, so, I mean, we've we've really kept it to just the top end uh, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And, I mean, no surprise, as many times as I've mentioned this movie, I think we're still keeping up uh, that level of excellence here. But we'll see what you guys think. Let's, let's kick this off the way that we always do, gentlemen. What was your first experience with Avengers Infinity War? Was it in theaters in April of 2018, were you hotly anticipating this movie? Was this your first experience with it? If it was, did you know anything about it going into it? What do you remember about all that? And what did you bring into this rewatch for the podcast? I did see it in theaters. Uh, I'm since you said last week of April, I'm pretty sure I did not go opening weekend. Uh, probably saw it sometime in May, five years ago. Um, but yeah, my first experience was a theater viewing. Super aware of, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, and the plans for it early on, but by this point, obviously, I had seen the other two Avengers movies and, and was uh, eagerly awaiting this one. Yeah, this is, I mean, I was waiting for this movie uh, from the moment that Thanos showed up at the end of the Avengers in 2012. The Marvel Cinematic Universe hit at like a perfect time for me. Iron Man came out in 2008 when I was 12 years old. So, I mean, this is prime, like, this was created for my age group. Um, this was your basic instinct, is what you're oh, saying? Oh, 100%. <laughs> um, Led to some debauchery. Yeah, so, of course. Uh, saw this opening night, 
April 29th, that was the day, whatever it was, in theaters uh, with one of my buddies. Uh, I remember, I mean, it was fully packed out, fully sold out theater. There was an all-out brawl at the concession stand as we walked in uh, that normally I would be one to kind of people watch. I, I would watch that happen and, like, see, like, how that got broke. I was so focused on getting into the theater. I remember just walked right through the middle of it. Just didn't even stop. Just like, nope, I have a movie to go see. The cops are here. It's fine. I'd like to go in, please, um, because I just had to see this. I uh, was super excited for it, and uh, well, it, it, it lived up to the hype, um, absolutely, in my opinion. So, uh, before we get too much into where you guys are at with it, let's do the Rotten Tomatoes game. I believe, if I remember right, you had a chance for the Queen Sweep. Queen Sweep? Clean queen, sweep. The Queen the Sweep? The Queen Sweep. I did. The it Clean was... Sweep, and I think I, I, I knocked you off on the very last one, correct? That is so, correct. I, I, I lost the opportunity for the Queen and the Queen Sweep, yes. both. So it's a queen if you do five in one. Month. There you go. It's a clean if you get four for four. Uh, right. So I am in the hot seat uh, for Avengers Infinity War. Brad, you'll get the chance to snipe me one way or the other. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll say this this has to be over 90. I mean, I, I, it, there's, there's no way that it's not based on the accolades that this thing received and uh, everything around it. So I'm going to say 93 and let you decide if it's in the upper, upper echelon or if they kept it right at 90. Well, it wouldn't be true to form if I said it was above that because I'm not as big a fan of these as you guys are. Um, so just for playing the game, I'm going to go one under. You said 93, yep. so I'll say 92 um, and let the chips fall where they may. All right. Well, uh, this one is one of the rare ones where, you know, Ethan, you were adamant that you knew where it was and uh, it's going to surprise you. This one is sitting currently with a critic score of 85. Whoa. So Brad wow. is the winner here. I'm glad you went that high because the number I was thinking, I was thinking about some numbers driving over here. I was going to go with 86. So you made it a little easier for me. Um, but I thought maybe that was my own flavoring I was putting on that. So yeah, 92 was an easy... I went with 93 because I remember when people are discussing the Marvel Cinematic Universe and ranking the movies and things like that, this ends up typically being most people's number one. This is like the peak. And they did this, and then one year after Endgame came out to wrap up this whole first saga or series, however you want to call it, for the MCU. And people, the thing you always hear people say is, like, Endgame is a good conclusion, but this is the better movie. This is the more well-rounded movie. Um, Black Panther got the Best Picture nomination in 2018, but, I mean, I guess, spoiler alert, I, I enjoy this movie better than Black Panther on the whole, but, I mean, it, that's also leaning into, I just love all of these movies so much, and now all of the people are on screen together, so, I mean, that's where we're at with it, so I thought it would be up in the 90s, it ends up at 85. I actually have it third, like you said, we've done four. I have this personally ranked third of the four of Black Panther and Guardians of the Galaxy ahead of it, so I, th I don't know why those are more enjoyable for me, but um, yeah, there's something about this movie that just doesn't flow qu uh, quite right for me, but overall, it's entertaining. And I, I think that will probably get, I mean, obviously, the way that we've talked about Marvel movies in the past, I'm an absolute, like, super fanboy for it, so I just live for the moment to see all of these people on screen. Mike, you're a fan, but definitely below me and Brad, you're not the biggest fan of them as a whole. You like the the good ones. So yeah, I mean, I I enjoy them. I'm just I'm bored with it. They kind of all seem the same now. So it, it it's just I think they went 
too far with how much uh, content they put out for me. It's hard to keep up with, and it just it, it lost some momentum for me. But, yeah, some of them are still very entertaining. Well, I think that's particularly true after Endgame yes. with the way that they have just flooded. Uh, and the uh, you know the people in charge of the MCU have basically said as much. They've said, well, we're now backing off. Yeah. Um, I think the other challenge that they faced is that and I, I, I think it had to have been dumb luck. They could not have known how well all of these pieces were truly going to go together. And that's what makes this effective. For me, I do have it as the highest ranked of our uh, MCU 4 that we've watched. It is close for me with Black Panther. I've got Black Panther 2, then Guardians of the Galaxy 3, and then Winter Soldier 4. Uh, but this is, in terms of my overall rankings, the second highest uh, superhero movie just to the Dark Knight, yeah. uh, and then Logan splits the difference in between this and Black Panther, if we're kind of looking at yep. that. Um, but yeah, what they did here was improbable. I, I don't think that there's anyone who, when uh, Iron Man came out in 2008, would say, hey, a decade later, we're going to have something that's going to clear $2 billion at the box office, um, so just stay tuned. It's a decade building up to that. Uh, they got lucky and they executed on it. Yeah, I think I mean it's kind of like the hot hand fallacy just kind of ended up working for 11 years. Um and it, maybe it was because of the pandemic and they had to just like stop in the middle of all their momentum or they just kind of started swinging and missing, but I agree since Endgame and going back and watching this one what it really is is you are never going to catch the lightning in a bottle that you caught with Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans. You had a guy that his entire career was surrounded by a drug problem and getting removed from projects left and right. I mean, this is his probably fifth chance in the industry was getting cast as Iron Man, and nobody wanted him to be Iron Man. They're like, absolutely not. We are not taking this guy on. If you think there's even a chance that this could be a franchise, there's no way he can keep his act together for a year, let alone a decade. And then Chris Evans was... A pretty boy from not another teen movie and some bad action movies and he was the human torch in two terrible fantastic four and they're like nope we're gonna we're gonna ride with this we're gonna go with this guy and somehow that turned into what we see even in this they're not even on screen together in this but watching this and i've rewatched i mean i like i said i just love the marvel movies so like if i'm bored i'll have them on in the background or whatever i rewatched civil war recently um and I, I've, I've seen bits and pieces of them all you're never gonna have that chemistry again even in a movie in civil war where they're fighting each other and they're the antagonists for one another, it's still so much better chemistry than anything they're going to put out there now. So it, going back and rewatching this, I've reshaped my expectations for the MCU moving forward. At some point, they're going to back up a money truck big enough that Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans are both going to be back in these movies at some point in the next Avengers movies, which will be great, and I'll be super excited. But up until that happens, this is as good as it's going to get, and I, I just have to be okay with that. Yeah, the crazy thing is their hot streak extended beyond that, right? And sometimes it was things that, uh, on the one hand, looked like it was probably uh, a screw-up that could have been to the detriment of this. Uh, they Their biggest casting decision in the early part of this, right, was in the first Hulk movie with Ed Norton. Yeah which did not land for a lot of reasons. And so their biggest name actor that they brought in flopped in the movie, had to get recast. The recasting, they hit it out of the park with. Yep. Uh, and even down to something like Guardians of the Galaxy, which is far from mainstream, but it built towards that. And then they just nailed it with all the casting in that. Yep. 
I mean, it was it was the guy who was sitting at the blackjack table who was, you know, hitting hitting on 16, and you're like, what are you doing? And then a five's hitting, and then yeah. they're like, next time, you're like, no, no, don't do that again. And they're like, well, I'm going to split, and I'm going to hit, I'm going to hit. Oh, look at that. I'm, they were running such a hot streak. Anything that they did after this and Endgame was almost guaranteed to pale by comparison. Well, and not even on the casting side, too. The guys that directed this, their biggest claim to fame in the movie industry prior to Winter Soldier, they did Winter Soldier, was you, me, and Dupree. Okay? Like, the fact that they were even hitting on that side of it, too, is incredible. And then uh, the Russo brothers did Winter Soldier, Civil War, this, and Endgame. Those guys have so much money, they don't know what to do with it. And since then, they haven't really been that successful with anything that they've done. So... There is this perfect amalgamation. The saving grace, I think, for the MCU is that they have come out and said, we're backing off, we're not putting out as much stuff, because the through line, what the one consistent thing, besides getting lucky with casting and stuff like that, was Kevin Feige was always there every day, watching dailies, this is how I want this to be, this is where it's going to go, having his hands in the middle of it, you can't do that when you're trying to put out eight projects a year. You can do that when it's three projects a year. So maybe it'll start to get back to the better quality control. Who knows? But focusing on this and this story, it's impossible to go through the entire cast, which is what we normally do. So, Well, we did miss an important question in this, because we just dove right into the question, but you never asked one question that we always ask. That's true. Is Rotten Tomatoes correct? 85%. 85%. Brad, you said there's no way that you'd have it up at a 93, which is where my guess was at. But is Rotten Tomatoes correct at an 85? And did you say where the audience had it? I can pull that up. Uh, I didn't. Uh, I was having some internet difficulties, so if you want to see if yeah. Rotten Tomatoes is, is kinder to you. Brad, I, my guess is you're going to say yes, because it was right around where you had it, but what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I said earlier that I would have put it at around an 86. Um, so yeah, I would say 85 is just about perfect. Uh, I think that there's some really good quality moments but overall to me um i don't know there's a there's too much going on they're trying to pull too many stories together and i think that you know for the purpose of what's happening at the end of this film you have to do that but you see too many worlds and too many um uh, agendas and different things happening even with the uh accords that you know all of these people were doing this illegally and um it's just it's little things even like i get annoyed by um you know they have apparently headsets on that they can talk to each other by barely talking into their wrist and like i would love for some reality to hit in that moment where somebody says something like hey everybody come over here we're gonna fight this guy and then somebody pauses and says what it's too loud i can't hear you all of this stuff is happening like just have a moment of reality for some some levity and and uh, they do that kind of stuff in like Ant-Man and things where some of that reality hits and I think that's what brings it home and that's why I like Guardians of the Galaxy because you get some of those moments with Chris Pratt and with Drax even like his dry humor and making that like like he's it's almost like he's a a 40-year-old guy doing dad jokes in the middle of the film you know and that kind of stuff hits home for me and um it's just yeah, just little things about it that, and, and part of it is just because, like I said, I'm bored. You said you watch this when you're bored. I put this on when I'm thinking, like, hey, you know what? I'm too excited right now. Like, uh, there's too much going on. I need to bore myself. So I'm going to put this on and, and just kind of chill out a little bit. So, uh, obviously, I'm joking. But, um, yeah, I think 85 is is just about right, just about perfect. But for the record, audience is 92. 
Gotcha. So for your answer then. And for the next record, because if in a in a year we circle back around to this and end up doing Endgame. Which we will. Uh, you know, just so we're right on the record, I am cheating now, I will forget it by then. But I wanted to point a comparison. You, you know what Endgame is at right now? Well, I would assume that it's higher than 85. Yeah, probably, 90, 90, probably 90, 91. Mid-90s. 94. Okay. So you've got that at nine full points ahead of this, and I don't think that there's that big of a gap in between this movie and that movie. Now, I would argue, similar to the argument that I made with the the Lord of the Rings trilogy, that to try to grade one of these movies as standalone from the whole product of the two, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's foolish because the movies are, they're one movie just split into two parts, right? Um, I think that they're slightly low. I think, you know, I had this at number 19 out of the movies that we've watched. Uh, so, you know, and at this point we've watched some really great movies. So yes. getting inside the top 20 um, is not easy. Uh, I would put this in the low 90s. I would say probably 90, 91, 92 is where it should have sat. Um, and so I do think that uh, the critics were slightly off, and it sounds like the audience is kind of right where I would be. Well, I think, I mean, I would have it up where the audience does, obviously. Like, I'd have it up there as well. Um, and I think, I don't know if it's my favorite Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think the best experiences I've ever had in a theater up are, like, Endgame and No Way Home. Mm-hmm. And that's because that's and a lot. because you saw it with me. That's true. And mostly because you comforted me in my time. <laughs> but that's because there was so much fan service in those movies. Fan service is okay at times. Sometimes it can be to a detriment. But, of course, like, the end of Endgame, I mean, spoiler alert if you haven't seen Endgame, but... <laughs> Cap finally using the hammer, right? Like, that's the loudest. It sounded like I was at a freaking sporting event and a buzzer beater just got hit. And I usually hate that at movies. Like, shut up, I'm here to watch the movie. It was okay in that moment, right? But they earned it by giving us Infinity War. And I agree with you that you can't judge one without the other. But thinking back on how good movie, how good this movie is, you have to remember that we didn't know what was going to happen in Endgame. And the fact that they were brave enough, that they pitched this to Disney... We're going to end this movie with the Avengers not just losing, unequivocally getting their asses kicked. Not just kind of losing and Thanos gets, like, just destroys all of them. Just demolishes them. They don't even have a... At no point, maybe, well, when they have him, you know, locked up and they almost get the gauntlet off. That's as close as they come. And then for the final 30 minutes of the movie after that, 35 minutes, whatever it is, it's just them getting decimated. Mm -hmm. He makes a little cut under Thanos' eye. That's it. And then they end the movie with trillions of people dying. That's pretty brave for Disney to let them do that. And again, we had no idea what was coming in Endgame. We, I, I knew going into it, they said, these are definitely kind of one five-hour movie that we've split into two very unique stories. They're two different things. This has an ending to it. And I remember thinking, how in the world are you going to beat Thanos? Like, how do you... It, that's going to be really weird. And then you get to the end of the movie, and you're like, oh my god. Like, he snapped. Like... That, that's really brave to do that. And I think, I, I hear what you're saying, Brad, on that end, but I think if you're just judging, you have to have multiple storylines going on. Like, you, you, can't, you can't just suddenly put all of those people on screen together. And when the, the challenge is put 20 movies of storylines into one, I don't know how else they could have done it. I don't think there's any other way. Like, I, I again, I, it is jumbled. It is bouncing around a lot. There's a lot going on. But to bring together this many different characters and storylines of movies, I, I don't know how else you I do I think it. that, and maybe this is like the 
former fan of professional wrestling person in me, like, it's okay to have a drawn-out storyline. It's okay that, you know, back in the day, I believe uh, The Rock and John Cena set a WrestleMania match a year, a year ahead. Yeah. Yep. And instead of having one three-hour movie with all of this stuff in it, you know, I know three hours is a bit of a stretch, but not much, have a one hour and 20 minute Captain America movie that leads right up into the part where he joins the battle at the end or, you know, do a few things like that and let it build. I know that, you know, obviously you have these actors on contract and at some point they're all going to, you know, be too old to legitimately play these characters. But instead of cramming all this into two or three years, if they had, if they had spread this out over 10 and said, Hey, this is what we're going to do with this and slow it down and draw those out. Like, they did this because I think, like you guys said, they knew they were at the, the blackjack table. They knew they were hitting on 16, and they, this was a money grab in a lot of ways. It's like, let's throw all this together for these two or three movies and just see what happens. And it paid off. They made, oh, yeah. they all made lots of money. But for me as a fan, if you had said, hey, you can watch three or four movies that are going to really lay this out over time and tell really good stories and draw you into the characters versus one yeah, smash together, they I would spent, be a fan of they that. Spent, cause they shot Infinity War and Endgame back to back. Took like a year of these people's lives just making it all in one shot. Spent about $700 million to film two movies and they made about $5 billion at the box office. So it worked. I mean, Pretty good return on investment. Yeah, that, I mean, I think a Marvel fan, and again, you're a bigger fan, would, would kind of counter that point that you made, Brad, by saying that's what they did how many movies built up to Endgame? Up the t- you know, End, your Endgame was 23. So they did have, you know... So this was 21. Yeah, taking yeah. this, well, there was two in between, right? Was there was 20, uh, yeah. yeah. Infinity War was 20, because there was the second Ant-Man, Captain Marvel, and then Endgame. So you had, in, in that situation, leading up to this, 19 movies that all led to this, and then the, the two-movie kind of interlude... Um, with Ant-Man showing what had happened in the in the middle with the the snap, if that's correct, right? And it then obviously up, yep. Captain Marvel is a prequel yeah. to it to explain her inclusion in Endgame. Um, and so, I'm not saying well, yeah, well, but but yeah. that was the idea, right? <laughs> yes, was that yes. they were going to bring her in? Uh, so they did it. Now, could they have done it better? Uh, perhaps I do think, you know, I, I'm always interested what this would have looked like had the first Avengers not landed so yeah. spectacularly well. Because that was their first attempt to say, okay, we've got these four main characters and some of these ancillary characters. They've all had individual movies, kind of. I, had Thor had his first movie by the Avengers as well? Yes. Okay, so they, they, all, all, had, they all had a first movie. And then yeah. and then we pulled together, you know, uh, and it worked again. It, yeah. And the exact same thing is not working now as well. It's just not the heart, and it's not, yeah... They they just don't have they don't have the characters and that's the craziest thing is that they developed this off of B level characters. Yep, I think yeah. So going into how they do the movie things, this is kind of the way I wanted to have the conversation because again, there's twenty five A list people in this movie and we can't go through all their careers. I think the the unique thing that they did was Civil War ended with this big separation. The Avengers are now broken apart. And I think everybody just kind of marked their calendar. Infinity Wars, when we get to see Cap and Iron Man back together, they'll come together to fight Thanos. And Marvel said, well, not quite. You're going to wait another year to see them on screen together. Again, 
very bold strategy to do that, to not put your two stars on screen together in an entire two-and-a-half-hour movie. Obviously, it panned out. So, for you guys watching this movie, what was the best storyline for you guys? Did, were you more attached to Iron Man and his crew, Cap and his crew, or if you want to throw a vote out there, the Guardians kind of do their own thing in the middle of the movie, and Thor, they obviously then split, and the Guardians end up with Iron Man, and Thor ends up with Cap, but where, where were you at, and what parts of this movie pulled you in the most? Because it, it is, Brad, to your credit, it is basically two different movies that they weave together into one movie. That is, I, that is a true. Yeah, you, you get the A bl- the A block, the B block, and then the the Thor Guardians one is the C that, yeah. like you said, interweaves. So, oh man, I I don't even know how to answer that. I would guess without thinking too much about it, I would go with the Iron Man portion of the film. Um, and yeah, I mean, but as I'm thinking about that, it's like. There's just so much going on. You have the whole Wakanda thing, and the, you know, mm-hmm. like, just yeah. Then you know, you've got Star Lord and his yeah. girlfriend and her dad, and you know, like all this going on. But I, I guess, yeah, I, I wasn't real familiar with Doctor Strange because I never saw that movie, so that was a bit interesting to me how he was playing into it. But um, it also seemed to me, and obviously without knowing, he gave up that stone way too easy for being the protector of it. Like, it was kind of like, no way I'm ever giving this up. I will kill all of you before I give this up to, oh, hey, you know what? I thought about it, and the best thing to do is to give him the stone. Right, and I mean, that ends up playing out, too, because I, I remember being in the theater again. That was one of those, like, the whole theater gasped. Like, are you kidding me? He just, which, also, I noticed this time, I'd never noticed this. Did you see where he pulls that from? It's just out to the... To the right, but I didn't it's see a where. it's a star. Oh, he when he does it, there's like a star in space, and he pulls it. He like hit it in a star. I thought that was pretty cool. Okay. I just noticed it this time. I just um, saw him like raise his hand up, and I'm like, oh, okay, he can just summon it. You know that again. That's the other side of it too. They did such a good job of storyboarding these movies to where that does pay off in Endgame. But again, at the time in 2018, I trusted that it would. If they did something like that today. I wouldn't trust that that would pay off because it doesn't seem like there's a constant common sense through line with continuity. It was shocking at the time, I agree, but there's still that voice in my ba- the back of my head of like, well, he said that's the only way, it must be the only way, and this will pay off somehow. Yeah, that's that's where my mind went as well. To, you know, so I'll go in reverse order. To, to talk about that, I think, again, for me, that was where the line coming in about, you know, we're, we're in the end game now. Like, he had already done the whole, there's only one way I found. And so I, I did trust, like, the only reason that Strange would do this is if he believed it left them, like, it, it was the only way to leave the inside straight open, so to speak, yeah. in, again, in gambling terms. Like, it's really long odds, I need to hit one card, but if I don't play it this way, we're guaranteed to lose. Right. For that reason, I think that the most compelling storyline for me is the Iron Man one, and you know I'll I'll kind of make the case for it, and then we'll hear what you have to say. Um, I think that it is a mixture of, first of all, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is incredible in this role, and brings some good like levity to a couple of the lines, but just a a single-minded seriousness to it. He plays well off of Tony Stark. You get you know Spider-Man in there, and all of the the dad kind of son sort of stuff. But really, to me, I remember watching this the first time and thinking, this is where this is going to blow up in their face because this is Tony Stark's hubris 
at, at just like on display, right? He not only goes after to save Strange, which is great, but then it's the, nope, we're going to take the fight to him. We're going to do this. We're going to do this ourselves. Rather than saying, how can we regroup? How can we make this everybody, right? Uh, and it's not everybody. And ultimately, I think that that is what makes it compelling to me, is he doesn't want to actually bring Cap back in, like you said. He doesn't want to expand it to all of the Avengers. Uh, and by being splintered, they may have lost anyways, but it seems like they were the victims of, of his hubris. Yeah, I mean... And before you answer that, I have a question for you guys, too. Um, and maybe you can incorporate it in the whole thing. Is like, it, it kind of seems like a... You know, like a God creation factor here that when he took that stone and he sees all these scenarios and then sees that this is the way it goes, like, wouldn't he, be, wouldn't he have already known that this was coming prior to any of these people showing up? Like, he would have seen this in one of the scenarios, right, where this is where he gives this up. Like, why is this just now a thing where he's like, oh, wait, who are you and why am I giving it, you know, like, it just well, he didn't showed look up in, out of nowhere. He didn't look into the future until they got to Titan. Right. Right, but but why not? Like, when he takes the stone and he knows, like, he's got to see the end of where the stone's going to well, go at some point, right? I mean, so that's a... I mean, we'll just go super nerdy. You said you hadn't seen Doctor Strange. The The point of him having it is really to never use it. Like, the agreement is you're just protecting this, you'll never use it, because using this stone is, like, illegal. Like, don't use it, it's too powerful, sure. it's going to take you over. Your job is to just keep it in that little necklace and never let anyone touch it. So him looking into the future for the 14 million whatever possibilities is, again, this is the absolute last resort. We're on this alien planet. We're fighting for the lives of everybody. Like, I'm going to have to break this thing open. Because they say it some... One of them says it at one point. He's like, you never used your greatest weapon against me. Mm -hmm. And it's because he, he's not supposed to. Like, that's not what he does. Right. I just... that That part I guess I get, but... I almost would have liked it more if he, when they showed up, he would have said something like, I've been expecting you. You know, like, knowing that this is how this whole thing is going to play out. Like, to have that power to see that he's going to give this stone up, to not already know that ahead of time, is, you know, a, a bit of a plot hole for me that I got stuck on. But I think part of it, too, he... Because then there's an endgame when the big fight happens, which we'll get into in a year, but... Robert Downey Jr. says to like four, one in fourteen million. Is this it? Are we gonna win? And he's I can't tell you. I I can't. You just have to fight. I can't tell you. And mm -hmm. like they separated themselves in the battlefield. So part of it too, if he would have had that kind of cockier attitude about it, like hey, I know this is gonna happen. It wouldn't have put like he sees it and then has to be able to hold himself together and fight a losing battle and watch these people get beat and watch people die because literally the only way it will work this way is if everything happens exactly the way it is, including trains of people dying, Tony getting stabbed, him get like, he can't just jump to the conclusion right. because then it wouldn't work. Is that work. what they say is trillions? Because you've said that a couple times and I'm like, where are we getting this number? Because there's not people even dying? trillions of people on the planet. Well, like, it's, he, it's he eliminates universe. all the universes. Gotcha. Every so living they're creature, actually saying he eliminated trillions half of Half of every living creature yes. everywhere. So That's I think true. also to that point about Strange and the decision that he made, this also leads into the this next stage of like the multiverse and all this, but the idea being like if there's roughly essentially in, infinite yeah. universes out there, 
what he's doing there, he, it's impressive that he went through 14 million scenarios, but part of the reason for not just saying, like, okay, I saw the one, here you go, is also he didn't see every scenario. He went through as many as he could million, right. and only saw one out of those 14 million where they win. But if you don't let it play out, there could be others out there. Um, and so he is sitting back, I think, watching what happened, just trying to see, are we on track for the one? But not saying that's the only way. It's just the one he saw. Right. Yeah, so going back into the different storylines, I think the ant like the Cap storyline I think is the most fun one. That's the action movie, that's the superhero movie, but the Iron Man side of it is why everything that happens in space is the argument against that superhero movies aren't high cinema. It's just an action movie. It shouldn't be nominated for awards. Angela Bassett just got screwed out of an Academy Award. I didn't really like Black Panther 2 as much as I wanted to, but she just got screwed out of an Academy Award for no other reason than the fact that she was in a superhero movie. It's a li- like, the p- the acting that goes on in this movie, even down to someone like Chris Pratt, that scene where he's getting mm-hmm. ready to kill Gamora, that's fantastic acting. I don't care who you are, I don't care what your opinion is of movies, that is someone going through inner turmoil to its finest. There's no other way you could play that better. Mm-hmm. And then down to everything that Robert Downey Jr. does. I mean, him and Benedict Cumberbatch both have been nominated for Academy Awards. Tom Holland's going to get nominated for Academy Awards someday in his life. Uh, Chad, Chadwick Boseman did get nominated for awards uh, before he passed. Like They surrounded the highest level of talent in these movies. Even Chris Hemsworth, mm-hmm. who's always known as a pretty boy, he gives great performances. The movie starts with him giving a good performance. Like, it is really impressive the level of acting they got out of all the people in these movies. And I think it's a shame that it wasn't recognized more at the highest level. Well, I think, you know, uh, the, the the Guardians plot line that follows through, I mean, it really does give, um, you know, Star-Lord the opportunity to be the emotional center of the movie. Mm-hmm. And not just when he is... You know, sitting there trying to decide whether to kill Gamora, but then also when they're on Titan and he come, he realizes that uh, Thanos killed her. Yes. Uh, again, another very powerful. In, in fact, he's probably not the greatest actor out of all of these, but I think he gives the best acting performance. Yes. Um, with his ability to go with levity and, and humor, but then also those two scenes in particular. Well, that's what they did such a good job. I think this movie did such a good job of the emotional weight of everything. How how many other well, it's never happened, so you can't even compare it. But the fact that Gamora dying means as much as it does. You're talking about, at that point, she had been in 5% of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. She's a supporting character in the movies that she is in. And her death, you could hear a pin drop in the theater that I was in just from the sheer weight that everybody was feeling. And that's a that's a terribly sad... like. I felt that. I remember being in the theater. I don't know where you guys were at like with the emotion of that. Brad, I know that you hadn't seen every Marvel movie coming into that, your viewing of that, and Mike, you'd seen most of them, but that's terribly sad. And I remember feeling when that when Red Skull says, like, you have to give up something you love, and as soon as you see the tear on his face, like, oh, Gamora's going to die. Like, there, there's actually going to be some, some victims here. Like, Gamora's actually going to go. And that was hard to watch. And then when they get on Titan, and he lands and says, "Where's Gamora?" You see, like, oh no, oh this is gonna he's gonna he's gonna ruin this. But again, you understand it. Like, you guys wouldn't be calm if you were six inches away from someone that killed your wife. 
Mm-hmm. Same for me with my girlfriend. Like, it, it's a true emotion. That's the spot, Brad. I know you said you wanted to see some like realism in it. That's where they get the realism in. Like, that's absolutely like understandable. Did he ruin the entire perfect plan that they had? Yes, he did. But again, it's understandable. You know, it, it, when you talk about big emotion, too, I think the one part of this movie that actually played better on this rewatch than on any prior one, and I'm curious what your thoughts are about this, is um, the the end part with Wanda and Vision. And yes. I think that Wanda Vision, right, actually, I mean, it added so much when you see the angst that she's in after the yep. fact. And there was no way to do that because they were ancillary characters up to that point. So you didn't, and that's where Brad's point of like, it would have been nice to have like a lead, more of a lead Mm -hmm. in, maybe like a movie of them just like frolicking around the world and living together to make that have more emotional weight. But having seen then WandaVision after, it made that part hit 10 times harder than it did the first time I saw it. All I can feel is you was, yeah, Mm -hmm. that did hit harder this time. And I, and I, I mean, I've had a rule now since this movie came out, if Tom Holland cries, I cry. And it still holds true. That kid is such a good actor. We talked about him with uh, The Impossible when he was just mm-hmm. you know, 10 years old in that. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but, again, that's one of those things, too. I remember, I guess I'll ask you guys this. In the theater, did you think Iron Man was done for when he got stabbed? I if didn't. you can remember that. I didn't think that he was going to die because I figured that uh, he was. I figured that he was going to die, but not until the next movie. It seemed like that would have been truly shocking, right? Yeah. Um, I was surprised, although in hindsight it makes sense. I was surprised that all of the like major the, the Avengers all lived through. Um, so I feel like they they might have missed a moment there, but yeah, I expected him to live. Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't really recall, but, um, yeah, I guess at really no point do you expect any of them to die, like, even through the whole thing, I'm like, is Gamora still alive, you know, like, um, so, until you, but even, I guess, at the end, when you see them disappearing, you're like, okay, they're just floating around somewhere, they'll be back. Right, it, yeah, that, I mean, I knew, of course, all those people would come back. I did, they, I mean, I, I'll, they got me. I thought he was done. And I thought the point of the next one, because they, I think they had already said, like, this one is a battle, and the next, I think they had already described Endgame as a time heist. They were using that phrase a year in advance. So I thought, in, in the theater, I was already processing, okay, the point of Endgame is getting him back. They're going to go back in time and bring it somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought he was done for. And then they pulled the switch on me, and when when spider-man goes that's again that's high level like that was i was a mess in the theater i still get a little choked up now i can't handle people whimpering and he has a really good whimper (laughs) like but that again that's robert downey jr being amazing you can tell he looks like he just lost a kid that's the way he feels um and and i think they they just played all that really well i think this is a great movie um, and I think they did a good job. The, the the coolest thing that I noticed this time, trying to look back at some connections, I thought ba- Iron Man 2 came out in 2010, and there's a line in it where the bad guy says, if you can make God bleed, people will know that he's not a god. And the fact that they carried something that small, from widely considered one of the worst Marvel movies, all the way through to he's fighting Thanos just to get one, and he says like all that for one drop of blood. Stuff like that is why this worked so well for a decade. Mm-hmm. Like you don't you don't need to know that like that could, but the fact that they carried that through from a movie 10 years earlier 
That's pretty awesome. Yeah, because it, what they did simultaneously there, right, is that they made it so that if you hadn't seen that and or just completely forgot it, it's still a great line from Thanos in a great part of the movie. So it works as an, you know, it's an A plus already, yep. but then you get the extra credit for yep. the people for whom it draws forward. Yep. All right, so let's do favorite line, favorite scene. Let's start with favorite line, if you guys uh, have any of that. Because I think favorite scene, there's... I mean, there's so many yes. good lines in this. How do you how do you narrow it down? What do you have, Brad? Uh, I wrote down um, when uh, I think it was Chris Pratt that said, it's like a pirate had a baby with an angel <laughs> when they were looking at Thor. And then the follow-up interaction between... Thor and Chris Pratt where he then starts like taking on his accent and talking like him like yeah. that whole thing was just hilarious to me and, and I uh, the the normalcy of that where you're so impressed by something that you like start to emulate it without even realizing that kind of stuff just hits home with me so I think that's why um, starting with that it's like a pirate had a baby with an angel um, is my favorite line in the film so the one that I that made me laugh, I think, the hardest in this, so I'm going to give it credit, because again, there's so many good lines here that this is, we could just read lines for the next hour yes. and not get to the bottom of this. Uh, but it's from the, uh, the same interaction, Brad. Uh, and so it was when he was explaining, Thor was explaining to the Guardians of the Galaxy the, the various stones and everything, and he says, well, the, the time and mind stones are safe on Earth. They're with the Avengers. And Quill goes, the Avengers? Thor goes, no, Earth's mightiest heroes. And Mantis goes, like Kevin Bacon, and yeah. he just, he may be on the team. I don't know. I haven't been there in a while. <laughs> it just slayed me for whatever reason. And again, Hemsworth, just the way he plays that part, it's amazing because so many of his movies have missed, with the exception of, of the one, you know, uh, with Goldblum. Uh, yes. And uh, the Thor movies by themselves are generally unremarkable, and yet... He brings such a uh, comedic levity, but a serious, like, straight-laced one that it, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, I get it. It's so tough. I mean, the I think the funniest moment of the entire movie is when the Guardians meet uh, Iron Man, Doctor Strange, and Spider-Man. Just that, that, the why is Gamora, where is Gamora, and the what master do you serve? What do you want me to say, Jesus? Like That's the, that's the absolute <laughs> funniest line in the whole movie. But my favorite line from... They used it in the preview. It was the tag at the very end of the preview, and it played out as the most badass thing anybody has ever said in the entire MCU, and it's evacuate the city, engage all defenses, and get this man a shield. Like, I've always been Team Iron Man, even in Civil War. I think Cap is being ridiculous in Civil War. Uh, you know, So I was always on that side of it. You know, I had plenty of fun times making the jokes that all Captain America is is just a gymnast on steroids. Like, sure, we can have fun with that. He's awesome. He, they need him in the MCU. There's a re Again, he's one of the reasons that it hasn't been as great since he's left. They need that heart. And you realize in that moment, like, oh, yeah, he doesn't have a shield. And just that, like, get this man a shield. Like, that's like, okay, now we're going to really rock and roll. Something's about to happen here. So that that's going to be my favorite line of any Marvel movie ever. And I don't know if they're going to be able to top it. But favorite scene, gentlemen. I mean, I, I don't know where... To really go because it's you know so, so many good ones I guess in the whole film but it, for me it's the snap and the people disappearing um, but more specifically in that when you get to Nick Fury and you see his reaction and you know it's perfect like yeah. 
I don't remember exactly what he says. It's like, oh shit or something. He he says um, mother, oh, but yeah, they yeah. dust him away and, before he... And uh, that's the perfect reaction <laughs> for him in that yeah. moment. Um, but yeah, the whole thing of the the, the tenseness of uh, who's going to survive and who's not and that sort of thing. So I love it when you have MCU, but it's still Sam Jackson being like, all right, I'll do it, but... You have to let yeah. me almost say the F word. That's right. Um, well, I, I think uh, I would have to, you're kind of along with that, right? The entire scene of, of the snap uh, with Iron Man and with, with Spider-Man, right? I don't think that you can you can top that in terms of the dramatic acting. So uh, I am going to give a shout out to a, a very small scene that I really love, um, which is, again, the humor in it. And it is just the, the scene on the ship where Drax is standing there, and they're like, how long have you been standing there? He's like, an hour. <laughs> and then he goes into, like, I've mastered the ability to stand here so long. Like, look, I'm basically invisible. And then I think it's Mantis walks yeah. and goes, hi, Drax. And he goes, damn it. Yes. <laughs> and that's, that's it. That's the yes. scene. So. Or, or how about when earlier he, he goes something about it, it's gonna it'll go over your heads, and he's like, nothing goes over my head. My my reflexes are too quick or something. Like, yeah. Drax is perfect. I, I love the, the dad humor in, in him, the, just the dry... that For, for how no serious this movie, and that's, again, a staple of the Marvel movie, it's it's a funny movie. Oh my gosh. Even the beginning with the hitherto untold... Did you just say hitherto untold? <laughs> or... Like, or... The scene where they're, where he's making the axe and he's like, yeah. you know, what are you going to do? And it'll kill you. He's like, only if I die. He's like, yeah, that's, that's what killing, that's what you, killing means. you means. Yes. <laughs> yes so, yeah, some great lines. So what do you have yeah. for a scene? I, my favorite scene, it's it's a small, it's in the Battle of Wakanda, which is amazing. Like, mm-hmm. that's, that's so good the way they play all that out. But it is the ultimate nerd moment for me. And it is just the beginning of it when they open up the shield. And as the whole army is running... Cap and Black Panther outrun everybody else because they are going to be the first ones to catch all of the smoke that come through that. And just I, I, I still I got goosebumps the other day when I watched this. I got goosebumps in the theater seeing them just like kick it into high gear and just run past everybody because they are the first line of defense and no one is going to get hurt unless they get hurt first. And they are always going to be the the best defenders that this planet has like that. That will always be the best to me. I love that they put that in there. It's something so small, but it's something that had to be put in there. It wouldn't make sense if everybody made it there at the same time. And that's what they are. That goes back to Civil War when he says, when Cap says, like, I can't walk away if I see something going sideways. I wish I could. And Iron Man says, no, you don't. You're right. I don't. Like, he is always going to be the first one there. And the fact that Black Panther can keep up with him is pretty sweet. And then they just go to town. I love those. I don't know who came up with those. It's not something from the comics, but the shields they do give him are so cool. The little sharp little whatever he can just punch with them. I think those things are awesome. Um, I mean, I'm glad that he got the real shield back in Endgame, but uh, that that's it for me. And then if that leads into, I mean, Thor coming back, which we don't talk about music as much anymore on here, but the Avengers theme song is one of the best pieces of music that's ever been written for movies. Like, there is not much else out there that can just elicit an emotional response from millions of people in a theater as quickly as that song can. And, and it's fantastic. They use it at the perfect times. They don't overuse it. It's always at the beginning, and they always pick a specific moment in the movie. And when Thor comes back, they use it. I think it's great. But my favorite scene is just Cap and Black Panther outrunning everybody. I think that will wrap up our conversation of Avengers Endgame. Or no, Infinity War. Endgame's next year. 
I don't even know what movie was. We're in the end game now. We are in the end game now. Um, thank you so much for joining. Next week, big shift. Uh, we're going to go into the comedy world with Brad's pick for the month of April, and that is the Ice Cube Chris Tucker film Friday. So join us next Thursday for Friday. Hope that's not too confusing. Uh, other than that, guys, for Mike, for Brad, I'm Ethan, and we'll see you next time.